Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome in to another edition of Real Sports Talk by Naraj. Today is March 29, 2021. Hope everybody had a good weekend. I definitely had a good weekend, although I wish things were better, to be honest, because, you know, it's just kind of like you do something keep doing it and it's like man I gotta finish this thing but I got other million things to do so that's the kind of state that I am but I digress we get into some of the nice things that happened over the weekend it was a lot over the weekend actually some major things happened obviously more March Madness tournament action from the men's side and women's side and NFL making some news here and there um, UFC definitely Headlining the weekend, the NBA, a couple of notable things took place. Um, so it's getting interesting as we head towards the last week of March here, or last few days of March. Um, and I'm going to get into all of the, those things as I go along. Now, a bunch of things uh, are worth talking about, but what I'm going to start talking about first is UFC 260. And the main event between Mio Chick and Yaganu, Francis Yaganu. And as I predicted, I was hoping for this to happen. A lot of people were rooting for this to happen. Not that, you know, Mio Chick is a bad fighter or anything like that. Uh, but, you know, Stipe Mio Chick was like the top of the line. And, you know, Francis Yaganu was coming and he delivered on Saturday night, uh, knocking out. Miochik to win the UFC heavyweight title in the second round. Um, what a powerful sequence of punches that were landed between both guys. Um, but Yaganu was prepared, he was poised, um, and he made it happen when it mattered the most. And the last time the fight went a little bit longer, which worked to Miochik's advantage because of his ability to draw out fights have more success than being able to have at least more time to figure out his opponent and so Francis Naganu brought it uh, early on obviously he had been riding a four fight win streak make it five in a row now for Francis Naganu and I mean it was all about the improved technique from you know Francis Naganu Milchik I mean, he's been a really solid fighter throughout most of his career, and obviously he's getting older now, being able to adapt, uh, but he just wasn't able to withstand um, Naganu's powerful left hand. His way that he came at him was much, much different compared to the first time they fought. And to think that, you know, Naganu had been waiting for almost two or three years for this rematch. Uh, to make it count finally and win the title was a huge thing. And considering his background, uh, I mean, you know, from Cameroonian to being, you know, one of the first now to hold the title of, uh, you know, after making the color, I mean, it's, it's really remarkable in terms of like the heavyweight title division in terms of like the way he was coming up. It's, it's a huge thing. And it's an unbelievable journey for him uh, to the UFC and becoming the heavyweight champion now and so he has an eye set on John Jones and some other fighters um, but a really special weekend a special day for Francis Iganu 
And Miocic, even though in a quick, you know, loss, getting knocked out um, by Yaganu, I mean, Miocic is still a really great fighter. He's had a great career. Um, and he may bounce back eventually um, because he's been able to do that throughout his career when he's lost. He's gone on some incredible uh, match streaks and, and you know, victories. So I expect the same from uh, Stipe Miocic going forward. Now, another thing that really interested me this past weekend we're talking about is the news that was made in the NBA as LaMarcus Aldridge signing with the Brooklyn Nets and Andre Drummond going to the LA Lakers. Now, there's been a lot of talk about how all these big market teams seem to be the ones with the advantage and getting guys who are bought out from their contracts or let go. Now, I don't agree with a lot of teams and how they make, you know, they make a certain player having to, like, you know, tell that certain player that we have to sit you out until we figure out a trade partner for you, until then you can't play any basketball or do anything. And that was what Aldridge and um, Andre Drummond were kind of given. They had to kind of wait it out until their teams couldn't find a viable trading partner, they had to eventually release those guys. And a lot of these players that reached the buyout market are looking to go to contenders. And small market teams are complaining that it's not fair. Like, the rich keep getting richer. That's what's been the common kind of theme. And look, every year is a bit different. There are some buyout players that, buyout candidate players that just have been in the NBA for such a long time. And, um, you know, they get judged based on different criteria, different kind of things. I will say is that, look, LaMarcus Aldridge was supposed to be, obviously, a big-time player uh, in his career. The Portland Trailblazers, uh, things just never worked out. He was the man. It just did not happen for LaMarcus Aldridge. And he obviously had to kind of resurrect his career, get back on track in San Antonio, which he kind of did. Um... And now he ends up on the Brooklyn Nets. And the Nets pretty much have Blake Griffin. They have, uh, you know, Jeff Green. You know, now you add Aldridge to the mix. Not to mention that KD is still yet to come back. Harden, Kyrie Irving, Jeff Green. You know, there's a bunch of names now in the Brooklyn Nets. They're obviously addressed their depth a little bit. Um... I do have a question, although, about how their chemistry will work because I don't really think that LaMarcus Aldridge is going to play a whole lot, if you're asking me. I mean, DeAndre Jordan gives you a far better value defensively than LaMarcus Aldridge. Scoring-wise, Aldridge gives you something. So the Nets have the ability to mix and match their rotations and put different guys in different sets, which is great. Um, But you just wonder, like, with the Nets getting Blake Griffin... And now LaMarcus Aldridge. I mean, a lot of NBA players, a lot of people, people around the NBA are complaining now. It's just like, uh, you know, the level of competition is getting interesting. It's like, it all feels like every team is making moves um, to beat each other up so badly. And there was a comment on ESPN First Take that I wanted to kind of talk about here. And that is Stephen A's comment. Uh, and I know, he, I know he said it in kind of in a joking kind of fashion. But blaming LeBron James for all this. And a lot of teams are gearing up to beat LeBron James and Anthony Davis. 
and Lakers and look a lot of teams just know that there's obviously no guarantee that you know when you win a championship you can go back to back anymore in the NBA sometimes it happens sometimes it doesn't happen the Miami Heat I mean were able to do it I think or maybe not I mean, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself but I think like there've been obviously a few teams in NBA history like the Lakers the Heat maybe the Spurs at some point Golden State um maybe like there've been some teams in the NBA that have been able to go back to back and win championships but not everybody can do it and so you don't want to see a, you know level of competition um but on the face right now it just seems like everybody is fixated on the Brooklyn Nets and winning and then winning the championship and you know Stephen A is pretty much saying like you know Aldridge and Griffin were two guys that weren't obviously great in their situations they end up on um they end up on the Brooklyn Nets who are loaded now to win the championship there is either it's it's pretty much chance to bust and so it's kind of taken away the rest of the storylines in the NBA I'm talking about the Clippers who are starting to play much better the the Philadelphia 76ers the Milwaukee Bucks the Phoenix Suns the Utah Jazz so a lot of the small market teams or most of them are getting overlooked by the signings by the Lakers and the Brooklyn Nets look I just want to see the best basketball played um when I'm watching the game I just want to see the best two teams loaded fully with their weapons and want to see them go at it. And so yeah, there are people complaining about, you know, the balance of power in the NBA and how a lot of the teams that are contending uh are winning and they're getting all these high-priced guys at the right value and my answer to that is look, the team the small market teams have to find a way to continue to win. and be better in terms of you know their free agents. I mean, we've seen a lot of small market teams. I'm not saying that all of them are bad, but a lot of small market teams develop talent and they need to rely on recruiting. And it's all about player relationships in the NBA and the right fit. And so players have a choice where they want to go when they're on the buyout market. They're not confined to picking some teams. And so from some small market teams you got to improve your situation first you got to make yourself a marketable franchise first before getting those kind of guys and so teams that are loaded and are getting these free agents are teams that are obviously in winning situations and winning culture not to say that the small market teams don't have a chance to get free agents it all comes down to how do, how do they play how do they look as a, as a team and a lot of these players look for just more than the situation they look to see what kind of coaches in place what kind of structures in place and what kind of you know it is obviously a business as well so you know some teams some players just really want to be able to get together have an interest with each other and they they make it happen so i look at it that way i don't necessarily disagree with that sentiment that oh all the smart market teams are suffering is bad nba is just too much one sided with the lakers and the nets and all these other teams getting look i get it but i think that the way the nba has evolved today is that a lot of players are going to be able to get out situations and 
small market teams that are trying to get better. Uh, they need to continue to develop and draft better, try to be better in recruiting. Um, but as an organization, a lot of teams are just kind of built much better from the top, bottom down. And I think it comes down to leadership. It comes down to uh, the ability to really develop your franchise the right way. So I think if small market teams really want more of a say in getting these guys on the buyout market, they really have to improve on how they sell these players to certain, you know, certain ideas. You got to show them a good vision. Because a lot of these teams that are, are that are getting these free agents or these players are, te- are teams that are built well from top to bottom, understand what it takes. They develop their talent. They have to get talent free agency. Um, but they were also able to maintain. And I think the biggest problem with small market teams is that, you know, it's all about kind of getting your players and not letting, letting your star player leave. Trying to build around that player the right way. Um, so winning cures everything for small market teams, and I think that's the, the solution to this problem. Now, look at the Lakers, the and Andre Drummond. Andre Drummond was a huge move for the Lakers, very significant in the sense that we know that without LeBron, without AD, the Lakers have been having a tough time playing good defense and scoring. Uh, they have been able to win a couple of games in a row now due to the fact that they've been good in terms of, like, shooting wise but Andre Drummond brings some good size to this team um, he is obviously someone who can give you uh, consistent rebounding every single night points wise double digit rebounds I think he's one of the only players in the NBA this season that's had like four or five games maybe of like 20 plus rebounds so the Lakers do need extra possessions and this is a good signing in that sense I mean Montrez Hill, Marco Gasol have been okay, but Montrez Hill hasn't been been his best. And Gasol is doing okay, but he's not playing a whole lot. So I mean, this just brings like uh, unique dimensions to the Lakers in the sense that they'll be more stronger inside, more athleticism, more physicality. Uh, I think a lot of uh, you know opposing teams will have to kind of watch out how Drummond is used because Drummond can really. Uh, you know, block shots, be versatile. Um, he's not going to give you always the maximum scoring every night, but he's going to give you enough size and production. In terms of def- defending, he'll do a really good job. And so I think the Lakers will definitely benefit from having him. Um, and depending on whether he plays off the bench or whether he plays somewhere in the starting lineup uh, until, until AD comes back, I mean, it's going to bode well for the Lakers. I think it's a, it's a nice move that they made. Um, you know, because we know that behind LeBron and AD, you need some good scoring. And Kyle Kuzma been doing that to a well certain extent. But now you have Kyle Kuzma and Andre Drummond possibly on the floor together. I think they all really work well for both, both of them. I think they'll be able to play off well each other. Um, and Drummond's going to be able to get in form, hopefully, because he hasn't played in a while. So hopefully he'll be able to step up and, and be a you know, significant contributor early on for the Lakers. So now this next segment, I want to get into 
some of the March Madness action that took place this past weekend uh, for men's basketball and women's basketball. So I'm going to start with the 2021 Women's March Madness Bracket, the Sweet 16 recap. Um, it was a significant week uh, for a lot of the teams uh, you know, this year in the Women's March Madness Tournament. The biggest upset um, for the Women's March Madness Bracket, Sweet 16, was Indiana knocking off number one seed NC State, 73-70. to uh, what a great finish in this one. NC State had too many turnovers, and Indiana just kind of hung around long enough to, uh, you know, get the lead, despite shooting, you know, 2 of 14 from 3. Uh, the deciding factor for Indiana and the women's basketball team was pretty much that third quarter. Third quarter, they outscored NC State. 24 to 15 and it was kind of surprising to see NC State uh, kind of lose their offense a little bit in the third quarter. All season long NC State had been able to score in bunches in every quarter um, but they weren't able to sustain that very very well and Indiana was able to take advantage of that um, by outscoring them in that that third quarter and kind of keeping the edge on them. Um, and NC State missed a three-pointer, I think, at the end of the game to tie. So, all in all, I mean, Indiana really played a really good, solid game all around. Um, and NC State, just like I said, they, they just need a couple extra possessions which they weren't able to get. Um, but overall, a, a good season for NC State because, like I said, they were one of those teams that I didn't see coming this year in the Sweet 16 for the Women's March Madness Tournament. Number two, Baylor. Um, was able to survive number six Michigan uh, this week, this past weekend. Uh, this was also a very close game as well. I think this final score was seventy-five to seventy, uh, or something along that line. It, uh, sorry, uh, Baylor won seventy-eight to seventy-five over number six Michigan. Michigan put up a really great fight, and especially during the late stretches of the game. Um, it was a really back and forth game overall, and this was probably like one of those games that Baylor really had to work hard to get the victory, to be honest, uh, because Baylor has been so good this year, you know, and Baylor was also good last year as well, but uh, how about, you know, Nalissa Smith for Baylor having 24 points? 11 of 11 shooting, a perfect night from the floor. Uh, she was incredible, and they really earned it. They really earned it big time over Michigan, who was shooting well. Um, there were a couple of possessions which I thought they could have ran their offense a little bit better. Um, but like I said, in the end, a couple of uh, misses by Michigan and some turnovers ended up letting Baylor escape with this one. Uh, it just speaks to Baylor's experience and ability to like get it done when it's you know when it's late in the game. That's how they've been able to win in the past, and they were able to do that um, on the weekend. As for the other two top seeds, South Carolina and Stanford prevailed in their matchups pretty easily. Although I think that we're gonna see some great action tonight in the Elite Eight. Um, so I can't wait to see that. How that kind of pans out. Number six, Texas upset number two, Maryland, 64 to 61. 
This was a close game with a really good uh, finish. Texas played with more focus and intensity in my mind. They shot the three better. Maryland struggled to score the basketball and they missed a lot of good looks in this game. So that was a surprising thing to see as well. Uh, knowing that Maryland was pretty good this year in terms of just being able to play some good defense, be able to score. Um, but they weren't able to do that as well in this one. Uh, they just weren't able to contain Texas uh, enough to get the three-point shot. So looking at it overall, like, I mean, there's some pretty exciting teams that really stepped up this year in Women's March Madness. I, mean, I didn't see Texas coming. Uh, they were a team that obviously was under the radar for quite a bit this, this year in women's college basketball, but they really stepped up late, and it was very impressive to see them win this past weekend. And finally, number three, Arizona knocked off number two, Texas A&M, uh, 74-59. 19 turnovers for Texas A&M. Very disappointing to see the Aggies turn the ball over that much. Um, and Ari McDonald for Arizona scored 31 points. So, I mean, very impressive. Arizona really made a mark for themselves um, in this game. And they really brought it to Texas A&M, who just kind of settled for some shots. They weren't really moving the ball as well. So give them credit. So overall, I mean, now we get the lead eight for the Women's March Madness tournament and a couple of matchups tip off tonight, which I'm really intrigued to see uh, and should be you know worth watching if anybody gets a chance to watch this. May watch it to some extent only because there's obviously a lot to watch uh, as of right now. Uh, but Baylor and UConn go out, you know, get it going uh, tonight. Uh, UConn has been pretty dominant as well, and you know Baylor and UConn has been a classic matchup for many years in women's college basketball, and we get them in the Elite Eight matchup tonight, so that's a pretty special one. And to be honest, with Baylor and UConn, it could go either way because both teams are really talented. If I had to give an edge to one team, I'm going to give it to Baylor because of how they've been able to play uh, a little more experience in my mind. Uh, but then again, UConn's been playing pretty well, um, so this matchup could be a you know a 50-50 fight tonight. Um, as of the other matchup tonight that's taking place, I think Indiana goes at it with Arizona. Now, Indiana, Arizona are two teams that, like I said, did not see coming in the Women's March Madness tournament. They definitely are going to have a good battle tonight, and I think Arizona uh, has a good shot of winning that one. Now, as for the Men's March Madness tournament. And the Sweet 16 recap, Gonzaga, once again, continue their dominance with a win over Creighton. Creighton only shot 5-23 from three-point line. And to be Gonzaga, you have to have it offensively. If you don't hit threes, if you don't rebound, you're not beating Gonzaga. So Creighton pretty much shot themselves out of the game against Gonzaga. Lola Chicago and Ola Roberts' Cinderella stories came to an end this weekend as Lola Chicago lost... 65-58. Oregon State was just much better. Oregon State was really better from opening tip. Uh, Little Chicago got off to a very sluggish start. Uh, guard Ethan Thompson for Oregon State really stepped up big time with a vict- uh, with you know a nice scoring of 20 points. Uh, he played pretty well. 
like I said, Little Chicago, they weren't really a Cinderella story, but it kind of felt like that way because of the kind of run they were having. Um, but to be honest, Oregon State really has been one of those surprising teams this year in the March Madness tournament for the men's basketball group. I mean, I didn't see Oregon State coming either. One of those teams that really kind of got better and got hot towards the end of the season. Uh, and the Pac-12 is really showing up right now um, in the men's March Madness tournament. Now looking at it, um, Oral Roberts lost to Arkansas 72 to 70. Uh, Oral Roberts played a very good game all the way to the end of the regulation. Uh, it was just a better shot by Dante Davis. Uh, it was a very incredible shot by Dante Davis made with 2.9 seconds left in regulation. You know, so. I mean, it just came down to Arkansas being able to really just have last possession, run their offense, um, and they were able to just get, get the shot off um, right, you know, right before the end, leaving about 2.9 seconds left for um, Oral Roberts, who got a very tough look at the basket, you know. But Oral Roberts is a lot of credit, incredible journey to this. 16 I mean, obviously knocking off some really like of Ohio State in the process and Florida. So Old Roberts deserves some respect and attention because they were on an incredible run, beating two SEC teams along the way. Um, and then looking at it, Old Roberts just got out rebounded in this, this game. If they had more rebounds, they might have been able to win. Um, and Arkansas advances to the lead eight for the first time in 26 years. So how about that for Arkansas and that group and that that fan base? Uh, it was a long time coming, and Arkansas is definitely a team to watch out for in the lady eight. Now I have to give the Houston Cougars an apology. I picked Syracuse uh, to pull off the upset, and Syracuse let me down big time. <laughs> I guess I was just still mad that Houston was able to, you know, get past Rutgers. But uh, Houston came out pretty much from opening table. They were locked in defensively. They held, you know, Buddy Boheim to 3 of 13 from the floor. Only 12 points, I think, in this game. And Houston definitely shot much better uh, from the perimeter um, in this game. And they just brought it to Syracuse. Syracuse just could not keep up enough offensively to make it a game. Now, looking at the other games that took place on this sun on Sunday, Florida State fell to number 1 Michigan 76-58. Florida State's defense did not come through, and as I predicted, Michigan got it going offensively more in the second half of this game. I mean, Wagner and Hunter Dickinson made, made big-time shots. Also, B. Johns Jr. They were just more balanced than the Florida State Seminoles. You know, Florida State shot 5 of 20 from 3. They were out-rebounded. And there's just not a lot of ball movement by Florida State against Michigan. And that is not a good thing. When you can't move the ball as much and get playmaking uh, and get assists going from your player. You know, as a team, you're going to struggle scoring. And Florida State just kind of got stuck settling for some looks. You know, not making enough shots when they had to make shots. Number 11, UCLA UCLA upset number 2, Alabama in overtime, 88-78. to 
UCLA has been incredible, uh, you know, this tournament, and they brought it to Alabama. Um, Alabama was really good all tournament long, and they're one of those teams that really had, had I think, had a shot to challenge Gonzaga and Baylor. Um, but man, UCLA came out playing really great. Uh, and this game went to overtime as well. And you know, we look at it. Jamie Jacques Jr. had 17 points. He hit two big threes in overtime to keep UCLA ahead of the game. Um, Alabama got a great shot from one of their uh, their guards at the end of the game to tie and force overtime. But in overtime, UCLA just came out much more in tune and more in sync. Hit a lot of shots. Hit a lot of shots. Um, and the biggest thing for Alabama, and one of the reasons why I think they kind of let this game slip away, Alabama shot 11 of 25 from the foul line. When you shoot 11 of 25 from the foul line, that's 14 free throws that you could have made. Could have been perfect from, from the free throw line. And I think that really kind of let UCLA kind of stay in the game. The miss free throws um, and the lack of scoring in the over, extra overtime period. I mean... UCLA scored 23 points in overtime, or they got outscored 23 to 13 um, in, 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 the, in the closing stretches of the game. You know, so I mean, you gotta give credit to UCLA. Uh, they they were one of the big surprises of this weekend. You know, I didn't see UCLA coming that way and beating Alabama. But Alabama was like shooting pretty well all tournament long, and then. You know, they, their offenses kind of went cold in the extra overtime period. So that was surprising to see. And finally, USC uh, had a convincing win over Oregon. Uh, Oregon just wasn't able to keep pace. Wasn't able to keep pace. And, I mean, you know, a very balanced effort from the Mobley brothers to do, to do a good job overall. USC pretty much paced themselves very, very well in this game. And so, I mean, you look at it, um, got some very exciting matchups in the Elite Eight coming up. And, I mean, Gonzaga and Baylor are still there with Michigan. And, you know, Houston is a team that cannot be overlooked now. They earned their way to this one. Um, and UCLA and USC are two teams that can't be slept on as well. They've been very, very good. So things are heating up, and it's only going to get better and better with the Elite Eight um, for both the men and women basketball, college basketball tournaments coming up uh, this week. Kicking off tonight, obviously, with a couple of really nice matchups in the Elite Eight for the Women's March Madness. So. It's going to get even more exciting, and hopefully we get more games that are close and can be decided in the late stretches of games.